Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! What is going on, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons po- podcast. Brought to you by Believe, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia back with you. Out of the All-Star break, the NBA has returned. The Pistons playing just a few hours after we're going to be finished recording this uh, podcast. They play the Orlando Magic on Thursday night. We're recording here on Thursday night. Jasper, no Mike this week. Should have him back next week, but we had a great podcast. Uh, with all three of us last week, it seems like we can never get into that that uh, schedule of all three of us being able to make it on the show all the time. But you're here this week. We've got some good stuff to talk about. How you doing, my friend? Good, good, good. We're just keeping our listeners on their toes. Uh, I, I know everybody was upset in our comment section last week about how negative you and Mike were being. So hopefully I can be here to be your personal little ray of sunshine. Uh, on on this, uh, well, what is for me at least a windy and blustery Thursday afternoon. Yeah, it's not. It's not. The weather's not been great in Michigan. Uh, icy, rainy, all that cold stuff. Um, but we're still potting anyway. The weather's not 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 taking us down. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, no doubt about it. The hate in the YouTube comments, keep it coming. I love it. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't mind that people disagree with me. Uh, it's it's all in fun. I'm going to continue to share my opinions, whether the people in the YouTube comments agree with it or not. But we've got some good stuff to talk about. Before we do that, I do want to mention our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from pro and college basketball to the UFC and MMA. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, players' news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-B to receive your awards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, so we are at this point in the season, what is deemed the quote-unquote second half of the season, even though it's not the second half of the season. The Pistons have played well over half of their games so far this year. In those games, they are 15-44, and 15th in the Eastern Conference, with 23 games left. What are we looking for? What are we expecting of the Detroit Pistons? I think it's an interesting question. There's some new faces on the team uh, in James Wiseman and the recently signed R.J. Hampton. 
Marvin Bagley will be coming back from injury here seemingly soon if the injury report uh, is any sort of indication. We'll be talking more about him specifically later in the show as well. But Jasper with really just a, a handful of games left on the year, a couple new faces in the fold. What are we looking for over these last 23 games of the season for the, these Detroit Pistons? I mean, it's got to be internal improvement and and not just that, but also seeing what you are getting from James Wiseman and RJ Hampton on this team. Now we are almost certainly going to have Wiseman on the team next year. Hampton, definitely less so. So he's a player that is certainly uh, motivated to, to prove himself. He's on his third team. Um, he has not really worked out at either uh, Denver or in Orlando. Of course, he hasn't had the best situations around him either. You know, the Nuggets are a team that's trying to win. They just traded away Bones Highland because they don't really have the ability to develop him properly. Um, and they also are just don't have the guard rotation. And that was the same thing when R.J. Hampton was on the team. Same goes for Orlando. That's a team that just has a bunch of guards, especially combo guards. And things just got too crowded for R.J. Hampton to really show anything there. So... With Detroit, that's not so much of an issue. We have to assume that he's coming in here and at least going to be getting some playing time, uh, at least at the beginning, you know, depending on what he shows. My guess is that he's overtaking Corey Joseph in the rotation, especially with the way that they've been using Corey Joseph, less as like a point guard, more as a combo guard uh, with Alec Burks and with Jaden Ivey and with Killian Hayes in the fold. So I think a player like R.J. Hampton, who's more comfortable playing off ball as kind of a, a combo guard, I think that that will probably be the best situation that he's been in as a player. He's going to have an opportunity. So I'm looking forward to that. With James Wiseman, we saw one game of his against Boston. Definitely a mixed bag there. There were flashes. Um, you know, there, he scored. I didn't like his offensive looks but he did score defensively he had a couple good plays but then you look at the overall numbers and the Pistons defensive rating with him on the floor was 140 uh, which is awful so now especially with Marvin Bagley returning and you have a loaded front court with Bagley, Wiseman, Duran, and Stewart there's a lot of things to be looking forward to there and lastly, the thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing how Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey continue to progress. Uh, Jaden Ivey, over his last 19 games, is averaging 5.7 assists per game, keeping his turnover steady at 2.9. He's at 2.8 for the season. So seeing that increased uh, level of uh, uh, offensive efficiency, not just with his scoring, but also with his playmaking, I think that's a great sign and something that I want to see continue to become more of a part of his game as the season goes on. Aaron, how about you? Um, you know, we have the two new faces. We have the rookies. Is there anything else that you're looking forward to from these Pistons over the last 23 games of the season? Yeah, you know, there's only so much you can can really be looking for with a team that's kind of in this spot that Detroit's in. They're not really playing for anything at this point. Uh, in terms of the guys on the roster, there's a few guys, you mentioned RJ Hampton, some of these guys that are maybe not guaranteed a roster spot, whether that be with the Pistons or another team next year, they've got to try to prove that they belong on an NBA roster. But 
you know, I guess for me, if I was looking for something, it's, is there any sort of extra fire under, under Dwayne Casey? Uh, Again, we've said this before on the podcast. I I don't think Dwayne Casey is going to get fired this upcoming off season, but I do think he should. And because of that, does he sort of feel a need to try to pick up a few more wins? Like, is he coaching to win at this point in the season? Are there going to be legitimate improvements with this team on the court? Does he feel in the back of his mind that he might be on the hot seat a little bit? And does that change the way that he starts to coach what, yes, is a young team, but has some veterans that have proven they are capable of contributing to winning? Does he make those guys a little bit more of a vocal point? A guy like Alec Burks, who for a handful of games was starting alongside Jaden Ivey. And the Pistons were playing a little bit better with Alec Burks in the starting lineup. They ended the uh, before the All-Star break with Killian Hayes back in the starting point guard spot. But I have to wonder, do some of those changes start to trickle into Dwayne Casey's outlook for this team throughout the, the rest of the season? What happens to someone like Hamadou Diallo, who's been playing good basketball really throughout the year? He's been much better the last few months. Uh, really since, I guess we'll say December, what happens now that you bring in James Wiseman, you bring in RJ Hampton, you have Marvin Bagley coming back. You know, does someone like Hamadou Diallo, who maybe isn't a priority in terms of player development, but is one of has been one of your more effective players off the bench this year, how does he fit in the rotation with these new faces and returning faces entering the fold? Does that make Dwayne Casey want to maybe not feel the pressure of playing someone like on RJ Hampton. Does he try to play Diallo? Does Alec Burks move back into the starting lineup? What happens with, with Killian Hayes? I think those that's something that's on my mind. I don't necessarily think we'll see it. I would be interested in seeing the results of it. Um, but other than those things that you really hit, and I think everyone's looking at what does this team do in the last 23 games? Can they start to set, some sort of foundation for this team moving forward, even without Kate Cunningham. I mean, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran figure to be parts of this core moving forward. You have veterans that you're supposedly committed to and Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. You bring in James Wiseman because you believe he can be a, a, a part of this team. Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey are reportedly also very high on Isaiah Livers. So it's not like this is just a roster of mix and match guys that don't have a future on this team. So it doesn't really matter what they do on the court this year. Anyway, there's a, a, a good chunk of guys that the Pistons have seemingly committed to moving forward. And so you need to start to build a foundation of what this team can be in the future iterations of it. When you get Kate Cunningham back, when you add another high draft pick to this roster, when you use that cap space that the team's going to have this offseason. So those are the main things that I'm looking for on top of, you know, can RJ Hampton figure it out? Now on his third team, this is a guy that was drafted in the same year in the same draft as Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. So it's not like he's been, you know, it's not like he's been around for four, five, six years. This is year three for me. Just turned 22 years old. He's going to have a chance on this team to get some minutes and see what he, he can do with them. 
I'm not necessarily super high on him or anything. The minutes that he's gotten haven't been anything that indicate there's going to be a leap or there really is going to be an NBA player uh, in there. But for where the Pistons are at, it's not a terrible move considering, like you said, he's probably going to end up just taking a few minutes from Corey Joseph. So those are the things that I really look at uh, in terms of what I'm watching for in the second half of the season. There's only 23 games left. I don't necessarily think anything's going to happen over those games to really change my mind one way or the other in terms of where I think this team is at, where I think this coaching staff is at. Um, there's just been you know, too many things that have happened really over the tenure, not just this year with Dwayne Casey that have me you know, thinking this team needs a new head coach. But there's enough players that are ideally on this roster moving forward that this team needs to be getting better. You need to see – uh, improvement on an individual level and on a team level to make you feel any sort of confidence in this group moving forward. Well, in regards to Casey, uh, I, I think what you're going to see here is, is more of the same. That's really what Dwayne Casey brings to your roster, to your organization as a coach, is that he's not going to freak out. He's not going to make rash decisions based on what he thinks his you know, job security might be. He is consistent. And he's very steady and he believes in doing things his way. That's, I think, one of the positives he actually brings to the organization. You see uh, on the other side of the spectrum, something like Paul Silas, or not Paul Silas, Stephen Silas, sorry, uh, rest in peace to Paul Silas, Stephen Silas in Houston, where you have a roster that is the total opposite, where they are just completely dysfunctional because they have no real, you know, top-down structure in that organization um there's guys just kind of doing whatever they want to do there's no real leadership there i think if there is one positive Dwayne casey brings to your organization it's that you're not seeing any of those kind of issues especially on a young roster we talk about the importance yes of having those veterans who can relate to players but having a coach that also you know players can can feel like if things go wrong, this guy's not going to go into business for himself. He's still going to run the same offense. He's still going to, you know, coach the same way with the same principles that he has before. I think that that's a good thing, ultimately. So I don't really think that you're going to be seeing anything out of Dwayne Casey that you haven't seen before, at least in terms of, like, coaching to save his job. I, I don't think he's going to be playing Boyan Bogdanovich 40 minutes a night. Uh, if, if anything... I anticipate he's going to do what he's done the last couple seasons, which is give veterans more days off, play the younger guys more. And in the last 10, 12 games of the season, you're going to see everybody that's got a pulse get shut down and everybody that doesn't get a lot of playing time. So that's, that's my guess for what we see from Dwayne Casey the rest of the way. That's might maybe not what you want to hear or what you want to see Aaron, but that's Dwayne Casey for better or worse. He's going to coach his way. So is there any player that you feel has the most to prove over the last 23 games? Oh man. I'd have to say it's James Wiseman, right? You have to justify that trade because I don't think that, and you can make an argument for somebody like Killian Hayes, Isaiah livers. Yes, absolutely. But those are guys that are, to a certain extent, known commodities. 
or in Isaiah Livers' case, you know, didn't really cost you much. He was the 42nd overall pick. It's not like you made a big investment. That's not true of James Wiseman. You traded away Sadiq Bey, who you spent a, a top 20 pick on three years ago. So for me, I think that Wiseman, absolutely. Yeah, there has to be something there, especially on the defensive end, because like, like I said at the top of the show, I thought he showed some flashes that I wasn't really expecting in the Boston game. He had some nice plays defensively, especially, but the end result is a defensive rating of 140 while he was on the floor and a defensive rating of 113 while he was off it. Like there is, of course, it's an extraordinarily small sample size, but it's in line with what we've seen in, from him in Golden State. The team just does not play good defense while he's on the floor. So that's something I absolutely need to see from him. It's not flashes. I, I need to see several consistent games from him at least to close the season because I understand that he's raw and I understand that there's a learning curve and I understand he's on a new team. But you have to justify that return, especially going into next year when it's not like he's going to be a nominal cap hit. They got to pay him like what, like eleven million dollars next year. It, it's not a nothing contract. Yeah, I think that's a fair a fair pick. I guess if I had to make a pick, it would be Killian Hayes. You know, for me, I, I could say James Wiseman, but I think at this point, you make that move for him. You know, James Wiseman's going to be on this roster uh, past this year, and I don't know if you can say that about Killian Hayes, who just has not figured it out. It's it looked like maybe he was turning the corner around December, but it's been a lot more bad than good heading into the all-star break. The efficiency is just not there with this guy. Uh, he has to prove that whether he's starting or coming off the bench, he can find a way to fit in with these guys and make an impact. And it really, in the grand reality, it's going to be hard for him to do that if he's not a threat to score from outside and he's not a threat to score attacking the rim. And so far he hasn't been able to do either of those things in his career. So he has a lot of pressure on him in my mind to prove he's a contributor over these last 23 games. They're already taking another shot on RJ Hampton. They've got Jaden Ivy. Kate Cunningham's going to be back in the fold next year are more than likely going to have Alec Burks back. I, I think there's got to be something from Killian Hayes that says, hey, this guy is worth a roster spot. This guy can give you 16, 18, 20 minutes a night and, and actually help this team. And he, again, he is going to have that same opportunity that someone like James Wiseman is going to have to make that sort of impact. I mean, the minutes are going to be there for Killian Hayes in droves. And this organization has certainly committed themselves to Hayes this year. Uh, like I said, I think Alec Burks, the, the results have been better with him alongside Jaden Ivey in the starting lineup, but the team went back to Killian Hayes before the All-Star break. I imagine they're going to go back to him off the All-Star break. So he's going to have that opportunity to prove his value. And if he can end this season, if he can play these last 23 games out strong, I think he has a a, a better chance of being on the roster than he currently does right now. Because I, I I can't see if you ended the season today saying Killian Hayes is worth bringing back next year when we've already got the guards that we have 
and we're going to end up having to make a contract decision on him anyway in the following offseason. They're just but Aaron much, uh, enough growth or, or, or production on either side of the court that indicates that for me. Right, but that's like kind of the point. I, I, that's why I didn't pick Killian Hayes. This is my question. What is he going to show you over the next 23 games that is going to convince you that he's turned a corner that's going to make the last three years I- irrelevant or maybe not irrelevant but where you can overlook it yeah right? like, like I, how, I, I guess for me I'm, I'm just looking at the numbers right here and we're talking about his play I asked this question when Killian Hayes went on that hot streak you know he started off so cold and then he went on a hot streak and people said here we go he's turned a corner and my question then was the same and I think I, we've gotten our answer at this point was is this who he is or is this just water returning to its level? Because he was so abysmal to start the season. He almost couldn't continue being that bad. So my question always was like, is he a efficient scorer now? Is he a guy that can shoot 35% from three? Is he a guy that can shoot 45% from two? Is this who he is? Or is he just returning back to very, very bad versus the absolute drizzling, you know, what's, yeah, no, I think we I got our answer. Like, the fact <laughs> of the matter is, he's shooting. Aaron, field goal percentage this year, 37%. For his career, 37%. He's shooting 30% from three. Career, 28%. He's shooting the same as he has from the line. Yes, the assists are up. The turnovers are about the same. For me, it's just like, yeah, he's scoring more because he has more opportunity. But what in the next 23 games is he going to show you that's going to tell you he's not this guy? that he's not a sub 40% shooter from from the field that he's not a 30% shooter from outside I can't see anything there I guess for me I'm wondering like what could he possibly show you it's it's not me it's not me I'm not concerned with what he's going to do I, I know what Killian Hayes is I've been wrong about Killian Hayes I've moved on from that but for the front office that drafted him for the coaching staff that's responsible for his development, you know that they're going to be looking for anything and everything to convince themselves that maybe this was the bad pick, but we can salvage it. So in my mind, there is pressure on Killian Hayes to be better over these last 23 games because the front office and coaching staff is committed to him at this point. And they're trying to salvage that first pick of the Troy Weaver era being one of the worst busts in that draft to date. Well, I, I mean, if they do, if that's if they base that decision off of, you know, the last third, 23 games in a lost season where he's been able to start 36 games, uh, for me, then they're fools. But But isn't that what they did with Isaiah Stewart last year? They based his, you know, decent three-point shooting over the last month or two of the regular season yeah decisions well and i i thought that was i thought that didn't make sense then we're gonna build around durant so that's how this front office that's how this coaching staff has presented their line of thinking so far so that's where my mind goes when saying this you know i fair enough i mean change for me on killian hayes aaron fair enough i just i i mean like the isaiah stewart thing hasn't worked out either and i didn't think it would it didn't make sense for me i was like this guy's a again the guy he just hasn't shown it consistently and and the same thing goes for killian hayes um 
Yeah, I mean, if look, if this is a front office that it's going to be swayed by very, you know, like high variance outcomes in very meaningless minutes, that to me is a huge red flag. Um, I, I'm hoping they're a little smarter than that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying because, of course, yeah, they do have an investment there. Um, you know, I, I just hope that they're not making an emotional decision based on small sample sizes. And I hope that they're looking more at the overall body of work, which is frankly underwhelming. So. Yeah. We're not, we're not disagreeing here. We're, we're in agreement on, on, on this. It's just a matter of the line of thinking of the front office and the coaching staff at this point, but thought that was just an interesting little question to throw out there kind of replaces the, the weekly stock report that we usually do obviously couldn't do it this week. No games to, to, to really look at when making our decisions there. But I did think that was an interesting question. And I think between Wiseman and Killian Hayes, I think those are the two obvious choices. Um, but presenting the case for both of them certainly made sense. I want to move on now to talk about what I think is a pretty interesting topic. I kind of teased it on Twitter earlier today. Um, but Marvin Bagley is nearing a return from injury. He's been out for the last few months with a right hand injury. He's now doubtful as of Thursday afternoon to play in Thursday night's game against Orlando. Being upgraded to doubtful on the injury report indicates he is nearing a return to play. They just brought in James Wiseman. You have Jalen Duran. You have Isaiah Stewart. How does this big man rotation shake out for Dwayne Casey over the rest of the, of the season. I, Aaron, I have no idea because not just are the four guys you mentioned in play there. Now with the arrival of RJ Hampton, you have to wonder what this means for Hamadou Diallo and Isaiah Livers, both guys that have ostensibly been between that like two to four spot. So now that you have Bagley coming back, which to me is actually a surprise. I thought they'd be shutting him down for the season. Uh, now that you have Bagley potentially coming back, I think that front court is not just like a, an issue of four players. I think it's an issue of like five, maybe six players because Hamadou Diallo's definitely shown that he has deserved playing time. He's been one of the best players on this team on minute per minute. He has. Um, Isaiah Livers is a guy that you still want to see what he has. And now you have four other players that all need playing time. So Aaron, I have absolutely no clue. I'm going to maybe just go ahead and assume that they are going to keep Livers and Diallo as like small forwards. I mean, maybe shooting guards for that second unit. I don't know really how that's going to work out, but my guess is that they're going to do something like ugh, Duran and Stewart starting and then Bagley and Wiseman as the backups. And I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe you have a better option here. I really have a hard time seeing a rotation that makes a lot of sense to me there because Bagley and Duran don't really work together as a starting unit. You don't have the defense. Um, you can't start Wiseman right now. I guess the only other option is Stewart because you certainly cannot bench Bagley or Duran, excuse me. But at the same time, then you're looking at a backup front court of James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley, the third, who are 
again, we've shown it. The numbers say on the season, they are the second and third worst defenders in the entire NBA behind Simone Fontecchio. Um, I have a really hard time seeing how that's going to work out. I think they can score together. Sure. But even then they have kind of similar games. We saw it from Wiseman. He likes to step out and shoot. He's not necessarily like a post up every time run pick and roll every time kind of guy. He likes to roam around like Marvin Bagley does. So I have some serious questions about how they're going to make that work. Aaron, do you see a better alternative? Because I'm having a hard time making these lineups make sense to me. Well, I think reading the tea leaves, I don't know how soon it's going to be, but reading the tea leaves, it sounds like your starting front court at the four five is going to be James Wiseman and Jalen Duran. Keith Langlois of Pistons.com writing that Detroit's going to have to determine how Wiseman fits with the other team's big men on the roster, but he believes that the Pistons are going to want to test out playing James Wiseman alongside Jalen Duran at the four, meaning Isaiah Stewart would come off the bench at the four and Marvin Bagley off the bench at the five spot. And this coincides with the report that we got shortly after the trade. I, I do forget who that report came from. So apologies there, but it was a report stating that the Pistons wanted to start James Wiseman. So I don't think that's the greatest idea to be uh, polite about it, but that's what it sounds like the Pistons are going to do. And that is disappointing. Well, it's not, it is disappointing. It's also disappointing that the Pistons have these four big men all, all on the roster because it does take away from those minutes where you could have gone with a different look with someone like Isaiah Livers at the, at the four spot. I mean, Isaiah Livers was someone that you, know, you were really talking about before the season started us. Hey, this might be the option as the starting four for the for the season. We've, you know, he's had his injuries. He just got back a little bit before the All-Star break. We didn't get to see him a ton this year yet, but you would have liked to have seen some more minutes for him at the power forward spot. We've already mentioned that Hamadou Diallo, who's honestly been solid this year off the bench, some of his best minutes were playing the four spot playing in that that baseline driver playing in the paint guarding opposing teams bigs those were some of his best minutes this year and now you have to dole out minutes to Wiseman Bagley Stewart Duran it gets pretty hard to see a way where those guys play anything but minutes at the three spot you know obviously that can change if Bagley gets hurt or Wiseman gets hurt but right now the way things stand it's gonna be harder for them to get those minutes and it kind of pigeonholes them as threes and I would have liked to seen specifically Isaiah Livers play some minutes at the four spot play alongside Jalen Duran, and now you don't get to really see that again unless there's an injury that shakes up that big man rotation I think there's some certain redundancies with Bagley and Wiseman, which makes playing them 
untenable. I think Stewart and Dern is probably the best combo in terms of talent, but it wasn't really working in the games that we saw them paired together. The problem with all of this is the, the in the grand scheme of it all is that Bagley's not really a good enough player to get significant minutes. Isaiah Stewart really isn't a good enough player to get significant minutes. You want to give a project player in James Wiseman significant minutes, and he's going to be making plenty of mistakes. But you also have a young player in Jalen Duran, the youngest player in the league, who needs to get minutes, is going to make mistakes, but in, in reality is still your best big man on the roster. So you have all of these young bigs who in, in, in their current landscape all have significant flaws to their game, some of them redundant to one another, and those are your options to play alongside one another. There's not really a, a, a strong pairing in, in that foursome that, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense that James Wiseman is going to get these minutes at the four, and Bagley and Duran, excuse me, yeah, Bagley and Duran likely wouldn't work. It's just, it's a conundrum that I don't really think there's a solution to uh, in which you can play all four of these guys. I mean, you're just... They just all have too many issues that that work against one another, and it's just, it's just not going to be good. And, and Aaron, there's just no way to play all four of them without at least one of them being out of position at all times, right? Because the Isaiah Stewart thing, I I don't really, I'm I'm just not getting it where people continue to say he's a four, he's a, he's not a four. He's not a starting four in the NBA. He can't space the floor. And the things he does best, which are rebounding and interior defense, he doesn't get to do when he's playing the four. So why would you, I I don't understand this insistence on pigeonholing him into a spot he can't play. The fact of the matter is you have four guys on this team right now that are not, sorry, you have four guys on this team right now that are bigs, true bigs, and three of them don't really have a position. Stuart Bagley Wiseman. I, neither of them are a four. None of them are a five at this point. With Wiseman, we'll see. But with Stewart and Bagley, I know what I've seen over these last years. Like, neither of these guys can play either position at a high enough level to offset what they're losing. Bagley can't rebound well enough. Like, he's just not a good rebounder, and he can't play post-defense. But who do you play him with? Wiseman? Well, Wiseman can't do that either. And they play the same style of offense. Do you play him with Stewart? Well, you can't tr- depend on Bagley at the four, so you have to play Stewart at the four. But he's not a four, and Wiseman's not a good re- good enough rebounder to play the five. What do you do with Durin? This roster construction just doesn't make sense. And you brought it up also with Isaiah Livers. That is the second guy that was going to be on my list behind James Wiseman in terms of players that I'm really looking to show me something over these next 23 games. You've now, I believe, because of the roster construction – hamstrung his ability to show what he can do for your roster in order to play well for this team. The things he does really great defensively, weak side blocks, sliding over, you know, being able to to be a big body that can slide in space. Well, those are skills that are best for a four, but he can't play four now. 
because there's too many guys in the front court. So I think what you've really done here is put yourself in a position where you have all these players that need to be evaluated, but are in a position where you can't evaluate them on their merits because they're forced to play things. They're forced to do things on the court that are not within their skill sets. Didn't I say I was coming on here to be positive today, Aaron? Wasn't, wasn't that what I said? I don't, what happened to that? On that. Um, Let's put a positive spin on that. The organization. I mean, the positive. All four of these players in a position to fail. It's not the player's fault in that sense. So we can't blame the players there because the players can only play with the players that the coaching staff in the front office puts around them. So it's not the these big men's fault. It's not Marvin Bagley, Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, Isaiah Stewart's fault that they're going to be asked to play alongside these guys that don't fit with them. So th- there's a positive spin to take it off of the players. I guess that puts it on the coaches in the front office, which you can't do. What people in the YouTube comments saying all we do is hate and Troy's great and Dwayne's great and this and that. But I, I, I was at least an attempt to maybe take some some shade off of the players since everybody yeah, thinks fair. No, and I think that's a great point that you bring up there, Aaron, because it's not the player's fault. I, I'm not saying Marvin Bagley doesn't have a place in the NBA. I'm not saying James Wiseman doesn't deserve a shot. I'm not saying Isaiah Stewart can't be a, a really crucial part of a playoff rotation for a team. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that this front office and that this coaching staff has put them all into a position where they're not able to show the things that they're good at and are forced to exhibit their weaknesses. To me, if you're trying to build a team, if you're trying to build confidence, if you're trying to see what your young players have, what you need to do is put them into a position to succeed. That's something I think like Oklahoma City does very well. I think that's something that Orlando has done extraordinarily well over these last two years and why you're seeing them start to take a little bit of a leap even within this season. Detroit has not done that. And I think, unfortunately, with the Wiseman trade and even to a lesser extent with with the Hampton signing, because, again, that's a guy who's taking a guard spot. That's one less place for Hamadou Diallo or Isaiah Livers to potentially slot in. I just find it really hard looking at this roster and saying, oh, this is well-constructed. You have a real opportunity to see what you have in these last 23 games. I think what you have is a great opportunity to ruin some players' confidence and play some really ugly basketball. I hope I'm wrong, but it's hard to see the fit. It is. It is, and that's part of the problem that I've had fundamentally with Troy Weaver is I think the roster construction has always been a little wonky, but I don't want to delve into that. That'll be another another conversation for another time, as we always seem to get into different conversations throughout the show that can always be their own different subjects. But hey, I did want to put, I did want to be positive to end the show. I I do because I, it's not like I want to come on here and and be disappointed and and be classified as a hater about the Pistons like. That's not my prerogative. I don't want to watch this team go 0 and 82 every year and all the players to perform poorly. We're Pistons fans. (laughs) I'd like this team to be good. I'd like the the players to succeed. Um, Let's put a positive spin on. And for me, I'm very, very excited to watch Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran the rest of the season. Um, I'm very, very interested 
uh, in those two players moving forward. And I'm even intrigued by Wiseman and Hampton seeing some new faces. Like, I, I don't think either of them are going to, to be great players or anything like that. But there's an opportunity here to get some new faces in the building, see if they can strike gold with one of these guys, and just see how they play over the last 23 games. I don't think anything sweeping is going to happen uh, over the last you know month and a half, two months of the season that that's going to change anything for Detroit. But I'm excited to watch it play out because I'm excited about the fundamental pieces for this team moving forward, Jalen Dern and Jaden Ivey, how they continue to progress because next season you're going to get Kate Cunningham back. You're going to have a top pick in the draft and hopefully they make a splash with that cap space that they have available to put together a better team. So let's continue to watch for the progression of these two key pieces for the Pistons in Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey. I'm with you on that, Aaron. I totally agree. And first off, I want to say we got to give credit where credit's due. It was uh, it was Mark Spears who said that the plan was for James Wiseman, if he, you know, proved capable of it, to start alongside Jalen Duran. Um, I 100%, same thing. I'm, I am excited to see what Hampton and Wiseman can do. Yes, they have been underwhelming as NBA players throughout their career, but this is a new situation, and they do have an opportunity here, one that I truly, truly hope they're able to, to seize upon. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's been a tough season, but there are at least things to look forward to. Like you said, Ivy, Durin. And seeing where these young guys can potentially fit into the rotation, hoping that they can prove us wrong. Look, I said I don't see how this rotation really works, but they have 23 games to show that it can work. And these are young players who are capable of improving. So I'm not saying it's an impossibility. I hope it can happen. We're Pistons fans. I watch every game. I want to see this team win. I want to see players succeed. And that has never changed for me. So I really do think that, you know, they they have some really tough decisions to make as an organization with the rotations, through the coaching staff, how they're going to play basketball, where players are going to play, and how they're going to slot into that rotation. But overall, there is some talent on this roster, and there are plenty of players that have an opportunity to prove themselves. So that's absolutely what I'm going to be looking forward to. I think getting two new players in Hampton and Wiseman, even if I'm not super high on them, it's absolutely a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I can't lie. This roster was getting extremely stale heading into the all-star break. So I'm hoping this can tide us through to the end of the season. <laughs> that's that's the hope at this point. Just get a couple new faces that at least can draw your interest for the next few weeks at this point, because you're 100% right. That roster by the All-Star break was just a, a very, very tough watch. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by Believe. Thanks so much to our sponsor, Bet Online, as always, for supporting us throughout each NBA season. Make sure to use our promo code Believe. B-L-E-A-V for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. For Jasper Apollonia, I'm Aaron Johnson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Palace of Pistons podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.